0: welcome to the oil and gas sales and marketing podcast where every week your hosts mark lacour and matt Bertrand share proven strategies and real world tactics to help you connect with customers and close more deals let's do this
1: welcome back everybody matt and i are sitting here at nape and if you wonder what the hell nape is it's north american prospect expo one of our favorite conferences of the year because everybody is here to get a deal done. They're either buying or selling. Years ago it was only mineral rights, and now it's turned into everything from crypto mining to renewables to just a whole bunch of other stuff. Love the energy here. It's day one. We're sitting in the OG and podcast booth. And Matt, since we're sitting in the OG and podcast booth and we're at a trade show, how about we talk about trade show demos?
0: I think that's a fantastic idea.
1: And I have to admit, I have had yet to walk around the floor yet. And we'll do that as soon as we get off the microphone, do it tomorrow. But I know the routine. You have a lot of sales and marketing people here. They're showcasing their product or solution. And the way they're doing it is they're actually running demos. And there's some right ways to do it, and there's some wrong ways to do it. I kind of want to start with the wrong ways to do it, and yeah, then we'll let's roll over to what's the <laughs> right ways. So, first thing is wrong way to do it. If your demo's more than five minutes, it's automatically wrong. Yes. Why? Because you're in a trade show environment where people are walking by. And unlike a captive audience, when you actually book a sales meeting, they're not going to stick around from beginning to end for five minutes. I think most trade show demos should be two minutes or less. And Mm. I think the ideal time frame is actually 45 seconds.
0: I mean, the normal attention span is about seven seconds. So... You know, even if you're pushing that 30 seconds, sometimes it's still too long. I think you should break it up into segments, right? And then you can also have people sign up for a webinar where you go into more detail. Trying to just word vomit and throw everything in. Don't steal
1: my thunder. We're getting
0: there. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) We're going to get there about how to actually navigate your trade show and your flow of prospects in your booth. But both agree, it's super short. And I think most trade show demos should be backwards. And what do I mean by that? the most exciting gee whiz part of your demo which typically you save till the end of the demo you start with you it. should start it's with a, it. a hook yeah. yeah you want to capture people's attention then once you capture their attention you don't want to educate too much this is the problem and I love you marketing people and sales people but this is the problem in trade shows is in that you think that you're still doing a sales call where you educate the prospect thoroughly not in a trade show you only want to educate just enough to arouse curiosity
0: Yeah. You want to hit that need, right? To have someone just raise their hand and say, okay, this might be something for me and I'll pick this up and look at it later and then give them some collateral and stuff like that, get them on a list, whatever. But all you're just trying to do is identify that need and maybe spout some benefits, right? And that's it.
1: And I'll give a big shout out to our old sponsor, Rigger, who we love to death. They do that really good at trade shows. Their demo, their first spot of the demo, I think is about 20 seconds. It has the Jewish fireworks in the very beginning, and then they grab people's attention and they do just a little bit of education. So, the reason I had Matt stop with the far as what the next step was is that I think the next thing in a demo in a trade show is that you need to have a workflow in your booth, right? So the people you have up front, if your demo's in person or if your demo's on a screen, think of that as stage one. Once you capture people's attention and they want to learn more, you need to get those people out of the way so that the fresh people can see what you're doing. And you need to hand those people off to what I call stage two in the booth. This is a separate set of marketing people in the booth that will realize these people have some interest, but there's not bought hook, line, and sinker. And that's the point where you give them some collateral and you show them the second part of the demo. Once again, it's still short, but maybe it can be a minute long.
0: So, yeah, I mean, when you look at this, you're really maybe looking at like a sales funnel, yeah, offline, online sales funnel. There's a lot of different places to incorporate. I mean, even like you're talking about different roles for different people. How many times do you go to a conference and say, okay, you're going to do this, I'm going to do this. And it's like almost a manufacturing line or a funnel versus you're just going to talk to random people that come up. A lot of people get a bunch of leads or talk to a bunch of people and then nothing happens. You've got to be systematic about that follow-up. Even if you have like, what are they called? The brand ambassadors, right? That are helping you out. They're just to hook them in, right? They're the first step at the top of the funnel. And that's what even all the gimmicky stuff is. Now, I would tell you, I'm seeing a couple companies out here that are using 3D printing, to make their giveaways. Their swag? Their swag? Yeah. Pretty cool. That paid for itself really quick. What an eye catcher, right? Yeah. I had a huge conversation with somebody specifically about that. And then we, of course, got into the product. But I thought it was just a really great way to showcase some of this stuff. But all these things are just different tools in the tool belt to move them through that funnel.
1: Agreed. And I do want to come back to the 3D printer a second, but let me continue down this trade route, this trade show booth route of yeah. uh, the demo. All right. So you grab somebody's attention, extremely short with the GUS factor. You've then move them out of the way if they express interest, hand them to stage two where they do a little bit more education, give them something they can hold in the hand, some collateral uh, presentation or USB stick, whatever. Then a very small percentage of those people, most of those people will thank you and leave but a very small percentage of people want to go further, and this is when you bring them to stage three, and this is when you have your subject matter experts, and hopefully a quiet part of your booth sit down and answer questions, and go as deep and as long as the prospect wants to go. Those people most probably will leave and get back in touch with you and become a generally marketing qualified lead, and every now and then a couple of those people, very small percentage, will actually start the buying process in your booth. How great is that?
0: Yeah, I've actually, you know, it's like a pendulum that kind of swings one way or another. I would tell you too, getting information collection and actually sorting these people of like segmentation, like these people are in general interest or these people are the actual, the perfect type of customer we want. Putting them into those categories for later with the follow up, because I think a lot of these deals when you look at ROI is on that follow-up side and you can use automation Wait, don't, and- no,
1: don't do the follow-up yet. <laughs> you keep getting ahead of me that's because we've known each other for so long we know where we want to bring this let's <laughs> save the follow-up So I want to talk about that for a second okay now I do want to go back to the 3D printing my apologies for all the engineers that are listening to the show which is probably two because it's a sales and marketing podcast
0: sales but, engineers come on <laughs> yeah well good point but
1: nothing attracts engineers it's sort of like having a light and it attracts moths Anything that's mechanical and moving yeah. in your booth will attract engineers like a light Well,
0: they track. are loud. So that's why they're not yeah. like running here and they're pretty loud. But having that collateral is certainly interesting because it's a conversation starter. And also, all this swag that you're giving away, like, there's got to be a purpose for it or a story behind it. Like, I mean, everybody's got koozies, everybody's got pens. You know, what do you have that's different? And it's better when it ties into, well, what you have. And also, I would even say, Put a QR code on your swag. I'm not seeing that here as much as I would like to see it. Even Twitter and social media like geofencing, there's nobody right now geofencing this location. Call EWR Digital if you want to geofence conferences, but I would tell you there's so much opportunity that the conference is like the rock, but there's all these things orbiting it that you should be doing to make sure it's effective.
1: Okay. Let's not go there yet because they still going down this <laughs> route. So I was talking about the thing that is moving, and Matt brought up the 3D printer for swag. But if you're selling something to oil and gas industry, if you have something that's mechanical, if it's a pump, if yes. it's a drill bit, yes. put it in the very front of your booth and motorize it. Make it move, and I'm telling you, it will attract engineers. Anything that's moving that's mechanical will attract engineers. All right, so the next thing I want to talk about is the follow up. And here's where so many people get it wrong. You should have, if you're going to spend the time and money to set up a booth at any conference in the oil and gas industry, you need to spend the money and time to have a dedicated team. And that team could be one person back at headquarters whose job is to do nothing but follow up.
0: While they're at the conference.
1: While they're at the conference. So the people in the booth are busy, right? You're going through stage one, stage two, stage three. That's a progress that you're doing that you have trained people. To Matt's point, you want to capture their contact information and mark that contact information on what stage they are before you lost them. But all of those people that day of the conference, jump on your computer, send it back to your person HQ, because in the booth you don't have time, and have them follow up that same day. That's going to put you ahead of 99.9% of your competitors, because most of your competitors don't follow up for a week or two. And we all know this, time kills deals.
0: Time kills all deals. Yeah, I would also tell you, you collect all this information you know, maybe make notes on the cards, whatever. And then three days later, you think you're going to remember everything. You won't. And you won't. Yeah. Like you got to get them into the sales funnel almost immediately. immediately. I, I've gone to a number of conferences where I've made great connections. And like the ones that stuck, I took a picture with them. I put them in my phone. I texted them immediately. I connected with them on LinkedIn. Like I did all these things where like we really connected. But then there's other really people that I had great time with, and I would love to stay in contact with, and I don't have their contact information. I've lost touch with them.
1: So Matt, I've cleaned out old briefcases of mine, and I found a handful of cards with notes on the cards talking about how important this person is. It was a year later, yeah. right? Because I was busy, because I went out that night. I went to a couple of receptions, right? It's the name of the game. So if you have a process in place to funnel those yes. people immediately back to headquarters that same day, now remember, the heavy lifting is not on you in the booth. You're too busy doing other stuff. The heavy lifting is being done at the person that's not at the conference back at headquarters to follow up that exact day. Now, your follow-up should be different depending on what phase each one of those people are on. I agree. If they were the people that left after the first part of the demo, you just want a friendly follow-up with no sales talk saying, Great to see you at our booth. If we can help you, let me know. If they made it to that next stop where you went a little bit deeper, you need to offer them even more education on what you're doing without being pushy. Once again, hey, stop by our booth today. It was really great. I'd love to have you book a call with one of our specialists. However, if you prefer to watch these videos on your own, here you are. Now, the people in the last stage, the ones that's expressed a lot of interest, that's the ones you'd hand off to an account manager, Mm. a real person, right? And that account manager needs to follow up Not that day, but within that first day or two, saying, hey, you are at a booth, you expressed deep interest, you wanted to understand more about the different way drill bits can operate in clay shale. I'm the expert on that, let's talk. And if you do that, I promise you, you'll have a very solid ROI that you can make sure that your management team sees the results you drove at the booth to make sure that you get budget to do it again next year, and you can turn it into a revenue generator. If you don't do any of this, if you just show up at a conference with the booth and talk to people and maybe have the goldfish bowl for business cards, it's really hard for you to prove an ROI.
0: Well, I would even tell you, for me, the conferences that have been most effective is where I've actually made a list of the speakers, made a list of the companies, and I know who I'm going to and why, and I've done that research to do that. And then even conferences that I can't make it to, or conferences that you're at, Companies should be—I call it hijacking the hashtag. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but if you tag them and you comment about it, people that are also at that conference geographically, like these social media sites, if you have your GPS on on your phone, will start to see it, right? And also anybody else that's posting about it will see it, and also any posts that you do with you connect with somebody for the first roughly 30 days, those people will see your posts. So it's really important to get these people into social media and then also follow up on social media about the conference or post along the way, because what you want is you want to have that connection with people as you move forward. So you're already like in that network. It's just getting that initial connection. That's why I like LinkedIn so much. You know, you can do the QR code scan, yep. but it's actually for me, like for those of you that like know what instant messenger was, it's my instant messenger with anybody that's not in my company right? Like, and I can start to communicate with them. I like having those conversations at the conference, and then you follow up and you remember who that person is, they remember who you are. So I think crossing that barrier is super important as well.
1: It is super important. And I'm gonna go on a tangent with you, but then I'm gonna try to remember to come back.
0: I but, love tangents. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this morning I had a young lady that was recording with us, which by the way, we invited other podcasters besides our own to come and record. And this young lady was looking for the hashtag for Nape. Now, Nape has a Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn handle. But they didn't have a hashtag on Instagram. Yeah. How big a mistake is that? If you're a conference and you don't even have your own hashtag, to your point,
0: you can't hijack it if you don't have one. So, <laughs> well, someone can start to create one create, and then they own it. Yeah, and then yeah. you kind of own it. I mean, I think that, well, there's a lot that conferences could do to enhance the experience. I think that that's what it's all about. The VR, the IR, like the automation. The, I mean, and conferences themselves need to do better marketing. Yes, but. That's a different podcast,
1: different different (laughs) podcast, different subject for a different day. All right. So back to the demos. Another thing a lot of companies don't realize, most conferences have a tiered pricing structure for where you're located. Yes. Typically, if you're near the main entrance, you pay more. If you're out in the boondocks, you pay less. And so remember this, there is a return on investment. There's an actual dollar amount on how close you are to the main thoroughfare because you have more traffic. So instead of sure. being a penny pitcher, if you're going to do the go to the trouble of setting up those different phases to your trap booth traffic, if you're going to have different parts of your demo, if you're going to have somebody dedicated back at headquarters to do the follow-up immediately, don't be cheap and put your booth back and never, never land. Well, Spend the money and get where there's the most traffic.
0: I would tell you, even on the other end of the bell curve, if you're a startup and you're trying to connect with companies, have a strategy when you go to the conferences and in the off- hours, right? If there's certain conferences you want to target and it's slow, you can go talk to potential clients. Like at NAEP, for example, you got presidents, you got, I mean, you got deal makers here that you can't reach anywhere else. Yeah. Like from an access standpoint, conference is the best way to reach people that you would never run across in like normal everyday stuff or even through like a sales process. So it's a different kind of spin on it. But, you know, I mean, people are advertising. Here we are. Come talk to us. Right.
1: Yeah. Actually, I want to touch on that startup thing and let's throw startup out the window. Let's say that for funded whatever, startup. Let's say whatever, <laughs> funded startup actually is perfect. Let's say for whatever reason you can't afford a booth space at a conference. What are your options? I'm gonna let Matt answer a bunch of digital answers to that but let me tell you what you can do find somebody that is not a competitor of yours at the conference that offers something. Let's just
0: share. Yeah. And
1: offer to share a booth. Yeah. That's so it's good. a very simple, easy way to still get in that conference. You have space at the conference. The fact that you have you're co-hosting the conference booth with somebody else means that you're going to get twice as traffic as you normally would. Right? Yeah, And that traffic may not be a perfect fit for you. However, it may be, and you won't know until you actually do it.
0: Yeah. That, is definitely like a key and building those channel partnerships across the board to introduce you to people. Like, that's probably been the most successful thing. Certainly, I've met some really cool people, but I've met fantastic contacts usually through an existing relationship, through an existing introduction, and to leverage those networks and those channel partnerships through that. And somebody with a booth is a fantastic way to do that if you're growing. And also, like, if you have a limited marketing budget in your department, you might be going to this conference and somebody else might be going to this conference. So there's a tit for tat where you can yeah. trade or you can say, hey, what, well, like you go to this conference and take some of our collateral. And then, hey, we'll go to this conference, take some of your collateral. Like there's ways to leverage what you're doing. I mean, that's the whole point about digital marketing is it's one to many. That's the thing about podcasting or podcast advertising, if you want to advertise on our podcast, it's one to many. We record this once, we're reaching a lot of people at a conference. So It's a multiplier effect to that. And then everybody else is listening to it. You can't get much better than that. And then you can take that and we can put money behind it in shorts and clips, and we can reach even more people to bring people into the podcast. So it's a funnel on top of a funnel on top of a funnel, like okay. multidimensional. And this <laughs> is a
1: perfect place for me to throw this in. We are looking for a new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Sales and Marketing Podcast. If you would like to sponsor this show, look at what you get. You get access to all these conferences we go to. Matt and I will both throw in a little bit of free consulting if you want yeah. to sponsor this show. So if you're interested in the show, reach out to me. Happy to share details. That's my shameless plug.
0: Let me go ahead and shameless plug as well. If you're looking for content marketing or even search engine optimization, if you just search oil and gas marketing agency, we're coming up number one, Google globally. So EWR Digital, you can check us out. Starting to rank for a lot of other words. But if you're trying to reach people at any level of the funnel, the authority and the trust, the visibility, the leads that generate organically, you cannot beat it. Certainly we have a big paid ad arm and hire people out of Google, Facebook. We're full service, but we are known for, and I have another podcast that's all dedicated to the power of search engine optimization. So if you're out there thinking, how do I grow this year? consider SEO. (laughs)
1: Yeah, reach, reach out to Matt. They do some incredible work and they know the industry. All right, back to the actual trade show demos. Here's something you may not have thought of. When you bring people into your booth or as they stop by, you want it to be a little bit sticky. And no, I don't mean old beer and chewing gum. I mean, you want stuff there to keep them there. One of the simplest things to do pay for the money to have padding in your carpet.
0: Oh yeah. That's See, I, I that that didn't I, get it. I that is not something I've ever heard before. That's like a pro tip right there. Cause we were just standing over here talking, Mark, and I stood in that conversation longer because it was padded.
1: <laughs> if you haven't ever noticed, and I don't know how you couldn't but when you go to a conference and you walk across a booth that has padded carpet, you can feel it in your feet and your knees and your hips and you stay there because you're on your feet for so long. The other thing is, so last year at the same conference, we had our same podcast pavilion set up. And to make our booth more sticky, you know what I did, Matt? Huh. We had espresso. Oh, I remember so that. Yeah, you remember? Yeah, it was right? great. So while there is coffee, brewed coffee all over the conference, nobody had espresso. We had espresso. Guess what? People came to our booth and hung out, number one, because it takes a lot longer to make an espresso drink.
0: And it's awesome to hang out with all of us here. It's so fun. Yeah, and you hang out with people.
1: <laughs> but there's something you may not have thought of. Think of what people are looking for in a conference. Have that in your booth so they stick around. So we're lucky here. There's chillers everywhere with free soft drinks. Yep. However, if you're in a conference with no soft drinks, put soft drinks in your booth, right? Make sure you get the good padding. Make sure you have comfortable chairs. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do, now it takes a little bit of money, is to actually have a place where the chairs are extremely comfortable and you have a work desk with a place to recharge your laptop or your phone. Hmm. People will abuse that and hang out in your booth all day. Now, what do you do if they're abusing it? You ask them if they're interested in what you're doing. And if they're not, you let them know. If you can get me somebody... Yeah. The next 20 minutes that is interesting, what we're doing, I'll let you stay here all day. Right. Uh And people will literally text their friends to get them to the booth so they can stay there and catch up on emails.
0: Yeah. I would tell you that what I've seen in the data, and I'm a big data guy, there's typically one person that knows up to three people that are a potential connection for you, no matter what your industry is. It's kind of the Kevin Bacon 70 connections. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if there's one person there, you never know who they know. Okay. You never know who people know. And so treating people respectfully, I think is super important. And you know, everything kind of comes around. You just never know. And I would tell you, yeah, if someone, Hey, whatever, whatever, do you know anybody who can do this? And you're really, really specific about what it is you do that it's not broad. It's we do this for this and this problem. Do you know anybody that has that issue? Many times they'll know somebody and can connect you. And to your point, if they're, like, you know, utilizing some goodwill from what you're offering. I think that's a great opportunity to ask them to reciprocate and people want to do that.
1: No, it's true. And I love it. And we do it ourselves. Two other things before we start winding this show down. So the next thing is you want this experience to be enjoyable and memorable for the people that are coming into your booth. Now, they're not going to remember this for 10 years. It's not like their wedding, right? But you can stand out from your competition a couple of ways. First thing is be efficient and fun. How do you be efficient and fun with your process with your demo in the booth? You practice. I don't know how many people, Matt, I know, spend all this money to ship their booth and their gear and their people and hotels and restaurants, everything somewhere in the world, set up a booth they've never practiced. Have people come in. I know it feels kind of funny, but still do it. Have people come in, play the different roles that i described. Have your team practice on how you handle it. Have your team practice handling it off. Have your team practice very politely having somebody leave your booth that is not a good fit for what you're doing so they don't take up space. Have your team practice reaching back out to headquarters to make sure that things are followed up. If you don't practice, you're not going to get good at it. If you're not good at it, it's not going to be fun.
0: So I would even add to that, if you have a couple of people at the booth where you can start role-playing or talking or even bring over friendlies that like are clients or stuff like that, what you want to do is get yourself chatty, right? You want to get yourself talking. You want to kind of lubricate that. And then it becomes way easier, right? Like right now I'll go talk to anybody. (laughs) Okay. Like, but when I first got here, you know, it was kind of like getting warmed up. So if you're running a booth, you never know when that prospect's going to come. So I would say in the morning, get warmed up with friendlies, and get chatty and get talkative. And then as people come in and understand what your goals are, you can really start talking to people and connect with people because people don't care what you know or what you can do. They wanna do business with people. Yeah. And if they like you first, know, like, and trust, right? they're gonna wanna do business with you. And I think that that's incredibly important because there's probably, I've seen a couple businesses here that are all very similar to other businesses here. What is your unique selling proposition? Well, the number one thing is probably the people that you're going to be working with, that you trust, that are going to take care of you, that you want to do business with, and that sort of thing. And so that's the uniqueness factor that you just can't get away from.
1: Yeah from personal experience I do a lot of conferences all over the world He does from personal experience when I walk into a booth and I'm curious about and the people that are working the booth are just talking to each other checking their cell phones and they ignore they don't me, want to be there yeah It takes me about I'm not kidding 3 seconds and it's like you know what I don't want to be here even though I was curious and I wanted to learn about what they're doing They're ignoring me. That makes me not like them. And Mm -hmm. then I go somewhere else. So make sure you pay attention. This is why you have boost staff that's trained that rotates because everybody needs a break. Don't put two marketing people in a booth for two days to eight hours of time. No person can be on point and be chatty and fun for that length of time. They need to rotate out. They need to take a break. They need to take time to check on emails. So you rotate your staff in and out. That's the way to get that stuff done. Now, my final little thing, create content. You know how great Opportunity is when you have a booth to create content for the rest of the year. B roll. Yeah. If not anything else. So, B roll. And by the way, we never rehearse. So, Matt doesn't know this. Matt, look up there. What do you see?
0: Ah, we got a time lapse camera. We got a GoPro (laughs) rolling up there. So,
1: I have GoPros up in our booth. I'm capturing time lapse. I'm capturing B roll. You may or may not see this video, but we have high end video equipment in our booth right now capturing the video while Matt and I are talking. Right. I have handheld cameras in here. We are going to have so much content that we're going to generate that we're going to use for the next year or two or three or four from our booth. So besides trying to get prospects in here, besides doing things like, speaking of QR codes, Matt, you see the QR codes on our tables? Yeah, no. We have QR codes. We're giving stuff away, right? That's our stickiness. We're getting an A
0: over here. We're getting an A grade over here at OGGN. Yep.
1: Well, you would hope OGGN and, yeah. and the Sales and Marketing Podcast know how to make a booth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and there's nothing wrong with this, people, as long as it's done respectfully. We have a couple of We bre-
0: have we have yeah, we have some pretty people, pre- some pretty superstars people. Yeah. over here, some brand ambassadors that yeah. are working our booth as well. That are, that are also hosts and are happy. Fun, right? And people look, people yeah. are stopping
1: and talking to them. Yeah. Right? This is how you do it, people.
0: It's not hard put your face on your shirt <laughs> and then wear a jacket because you know it's professional. And then you're somebody,
1: right? And Matt is, if you don't know this, Matt's actually talking to Paige Wilson, host for Industry Leader Show. On our merch store, she has the record more people have bought her merch than anybody else's. Her face and yeah. her her merch is her sh- face on her shirt. It's awesome. And so somewhere around the world, there's a hundred people walking around with Paige's face on their chest. I keep waiting to run into them. Yeah,
0: I, was, I, I thought you were going to be wearing it when
1: I got. Here.
0: Yeah, tomorrow. Which, which, by the way,
1: audience, Matt and I have our own merch too. None of y'all have bought
0: any of it. Buy some sales and marketing <laughs> podcast merchandise, please. And if you want Mark's face on it, no, like, face by requests, it. No. we will make it. No, no. <laughs> Although my face isn't an oil and
1: gas industry leaders with the you are page. You
0: are. I, I...
1: Oil and gas this week, that's right. Yeah, messed up my own podcast. All right, let's kind of wind <laughs> this thing down. Any other last tips for trade show demos?
0: We can really go deep on all the digital. Just think about you have boots on the ground and digital is your air support. You want to have your teams running ads, you want to be geofencing, you want to be omnipresent, you want to be visible. I would even tell you, I've gone to conferences where they have a TV up there and it's a social media pulled up and they see the hashtags. So if you do the hashtag right there, you can get a lot of that engagement. And so what you're really trying to do is the stickiness of bring people in to your digital presence and your digital network because if you can get them to like your stuff or connect with you for the next 30 days, you should be building a campaign, they will see it. If we're talking specifically about LinkedIn, it is built into the algorithm. Even people geographically close to you will show you who else is there. Like There's competitive intelligence, which we talked on in a past podcast about. There's just so many different options. Just have a strategy is what I would say.
1: Love it. All right, you heard me say this a million times before, so this is a million and one. Sign up for our two newsletters. We have our Sunday update, which is just fun with recipes and discount coupons, sign the scenes look. Some very proprietary information on the supply and demand side of oil and gas that you're armed every week knowing what's going on. We have an oil and gas events newsletter. We take all the oil and gas events like this one. Nate, put it in your inbox once a month for free. All of Matt and I's social channels are in the show notes. We are starting to develop the website for our our website. It'll
0: be at the Oil and Gas Marketing Podcast. It's redirected right now to our podcast, but that's where we're going to host the Mastermind Group, and we should have something up sometime next week.
1: Awesome. Then LinkedIn fail or tip of the week. Do you have one? Cause I do go for it. <laughs> In all seriousness, I had a person reach out to me yesterday, Matt on LinkedIn and said, Hey, have you ever thought about using a podcast to help you with your business? That's awesome. Yeah. Which means he did zero. Didn't even read.
0: It was automated. Yeah. I, yeah, I would tell you that yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah. so you've it.
1: heard us say this a lot for the fails. Y'all quit that. If it's not legit, don't do
0: it. I would tell you the spamming, everybody complains about that on LinkedIn. You need to be thoughtful about it. I don't think it helps your brand well. And that's why most people that do spamming use a different name, a different handle, a different everything, because they know it hurts their brand. You should not do anything that you know intentionally hurts your brand. Now, if you have an unbranded product and you're adding value and you have a targeted list, drive them to that from that. I mean, there's ways to go about doing it, but man, like if it's you and it's your brand, don't just spam people. It's actually against the LinkedIn rules. They can see it if you ramp it up to the point and you could get banned.
1: Yeah. And by the way, I'm not condemning things like sales navigator. It's a great tool. It's just people misuse it. I'm actually a member of the LinkedIn insiders group and they use us to help develop future products and features. And I can't tell you too much to come under non-disclosure, but what Matt just said from people misusing those tools LinkedIn's get ready to stop it.
0: right? And the algorithms never forget what you did. Yep. Okay. And so I'd get on the right side of it. While rather, you can. Yeah, yep. while you can. All
1: right, let's close this thing down. Remember, folks, make a difference and not a sale.
0: Check us out next week for another enriching and cheeky episode of Oil & Gas Sales & Marketing Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.